Good morning, Zion and Talofa. Welcome to uh, the 28th of June service. We are back doing this virtually, uh, at least for this week, and I am grateful for your patience and for your prayers. Um, let's just settle into worship as we do and be present. Allow God to gaze upon you uh, wherever you're sitting, uh, wherever you are. And let's begin with our 60 seconds and just follow our breath in, follow our breath out. Amen. I hope you've been able again to find the call of worship or the call to worship on uh, on our website and we'll be able to follow along today. Uh, in the past I've had Doug and Jeanette and Judy helping me but uh, given uh, my circumstances right now I'm kind of stuck in Abilene for at least a couple more days. Uh, so I would still invite you to uh, to join me in the call to worship. Welcome. In the name of God, welcome. God's love stretches wide, ready to embrace all with love. You who are thirsty for the presence of God, welcome. May your thirst be satisfied. You who long for a caring touch, welcome. May you know God's love through the care of this community. In the name of God, welcome to all. Let us drink deeply of God's presence and share this grace with one another. Come, let us worship. God of steadfast love, today, remember Jesus' words. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. We pray to welcome the outcast as we would welcome you, to do what you can to provide water to the stranger, and to trust always that you will be there. We pray to know that kindness is brave, but always worthwhile, and that where love is, there you are. Amen. Now, as always, if you're so inclined, I would encourage you to kind of pause here and find the hymn, I'm so glad that Jesus lifted me. If you, There's nothing wrong with singing it out loud in your own living room or or with your family or whatever, and you can pause if you want. And uh, when we come back, we'll be ready for the prayer of confession. All right, let's all confess our sins together now, trusting in God's grace. Holy God, Jesus taught what it means to welcome and showed a beautiful and beloved community where there is room for all. 
for times when we have created our own closed communities, forgive us for times we have excluded others because of who they are or what they believe, forgive us. For times when we think that our way is a better way than other ways, forgive us. For the times we don't want to find things in common with or love others who are different from us, please forgive us. For the times we've become so comfortable in our lives that we don't want to be uncomfortable by welcoming people who are beyond our doors, forgive us. May we extend the welcome we receive through your Spirit, and may we remember that in the holy act of welcoming others, we welcome you. Amen. We are born in love, and we live in love. Each day the Spirit of love speaks anew and guides in a love that transcends the world's coldness and fear. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. There are uh, two scripture readings again uh, this Sunday. One continues Abraham's story in Genesis, um, And the second one is from the Gospel of Matthew. We've already heard allusions to it in the, in the opening liturgy. But the passage in Genesis chapter 22, 1 through 14, is one that, that we all struggle with, and it's uh, a familiar story to all of us. It's the reason why uh, Jerusalem is where it is, uh, and the Dome of the Rock is where it is. Um, and then Matthew 10, uh, verses 40 through 42, is the end of Jesus' instructions uh, to his disciples. Uh, so you, you can pause here again and read those passages. This morning before I was recording the sermon, I got uh, a daily meditation from Father Richard Rohr, and it's interesting um, the title of it is Purity of Heart and Singleness of Focus. Uh, and it's not a terrible stretch to consider Abraham being called to Mount Moriah with his son Isaac. And not to, you know, to apply this notion of a singleness of focus or a purity of heart. It's not a real stretch. And Father Rohr quotes these three passages, uh, and it's, I think it's, it's helpful for us this morning. This is from John 4, when Jesus said, My food is to do the will of the one who sent me, and to finish his work. And in another passage from John 5, I cannot do anything on my own. I judge as I hear, and my judgment is just, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. And then in Matthew 26, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. There's a theme that runs through all of that, this notion that there is a presence within me 
that I have access to that connects me with the presence of the living God. Father Rohr continues and he talks about Soren Kierkegaard and he put it this way, purity of heart is to will one thing. No wonder Jesus said that the pure of heart would see God. They alone keep their eyes in one constant and consistent direction and thus overcome the divisions created by the divided hearts and loyalties which plague the rest of us. And this is Roar continuing. As we grow spiritually, our love, our lives rather, become more and more centered and simple. There are only a few things that matter, and eventually, really only one. And this is the last thing I'll read from Father Rohr's uh, meditation this morning. It's a quote uh, from Howard Thurman, who was a theologian and spiritual teacher to uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And uh, this is an uh, excerpt from one of his books. And he says, I surrender myself to God without any conditions or reservations. I shall not bargain. I shall not make my surrender piecemeal, but I shall lay bare the very center of me, that all of my very being shall be charged with the creative energy of God. Little by little, or vast area by vast area, my life must be transmuted in the life of God. As this happens, I come into the meaning of true freedom, and the burdens that I seemed unable to bear are floated in the current of the life and love of God. This morning, I want to talk about presence. And I don't, and I, I began with that meditation and those, those scriptures uh, because I didn't want you to think this was some sort of New Age talk about consciousness and presence and uh, there's nothing new about it. It's as old as it gets. And there is a part of us where there is there's no worry about the past or the future or who we are or who we were, who we might be. Uh, no judgment of what we've done or haven't done or others have done. No attempt to understand, no attempt to be correct. It's beneath all of our thoughts. And it's that very kernel, that very presence. Jesus references it as the will of the Father, beneath my will, beneath the way I see the world and understand it. And hopefully, at the end of our 60 seconds, you know, we, we get closer and closer and closer to that pure presence as we peel away our worries and we peel away our thoughts, what we should do, what we should get out of this, why are we listening to this, shouldn't we be doing something else, beneath it all. And when you read the passage from Genesis 22, you hear Abraham say three times, 
here I am. And I want us to think about that presence, that pure presence of Abraham saying, not my will, but yours, here I am. It is me, the me you created me to be in this moment. Here I am, he answers to God. Here I am, he answers to his son. And here I am, he answers to the angel. Three different times in the story. This is the story from the ancient world. As I said earlier, the Dome of the Rock sits atop this very place where Abraham brought Isaac. And the story itself is difficult for us to hear. It seems cruel. But it is a story after all and is there to illustrate something that is so important for me and for you and for everyone that heard it. There had to be a visceral understanding. It had to transcend culture. It had to transcend history. For every person longing to be acquainted with the living God, longing to, longing to draw from that presence beneath everything, beneath all the circumstances of our lives, all the things we think. It's possible. Of course it's possible. That's why we come to church. That's why we read scripture. It's why we sing. It's possible to be guided by pure presence. That divine spark, as other people call it, beneath everything, our original way of being. We read it in Genesis 1 a couple weeks ago together. That original state, very good, God said. Beneath all of the world of our thoughts, all of our histories, all of our projections, our dreams, our traumas, our wounds. From this place, Abraham says, here I am. Here I am. These are two... Uh, I guess, stories or analogies that, that I'd like to talk about that give us some insight into how we typically move through our lives. And it's so, so ubiquitous, so uh, overwhelming that we don't, even, we don't even think about it typically. We're just caught in it. And uh, Ovid was uh, the epic, or the you know the the poet, and I believe he lived about the same time Jesus lived. But uh, he writes volumes and volumes of poetry about about transformation, and the 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 one that's familiar to a lot of us is the poem of Narcissus. And again, it's a story like Abraham and Isaac designed to show us something, something true about the human condition. And Narcissus, if you remember, uh, was beautiful by all descriptions. And at some point, 
he saw his own reflection in, in the water and, and couldn't look away. And, and what's interesting about, you know, that self-obsession is Narcissus is looking at himself. But even more importantly, he's looking at a reflection of himself. It's not him. And Ovid is making a commentary about how most of us move through our lives in this state of self-obsession, identified with these thought patterns made up of our history and our emotions and our experiences, what we think we know, what we don't know, all of the anxieties. It's this repetitive series of comparisons with ourselves, with other people. And we can walk around in the grip of this and this conditioned mind. We call it ego. And what's interesting, it is, it's just a reflection of ourselves. It's not really who we are. It is a projection. And we're in its grip. And what happens is we do the same thing to others in our lives. So we walk around guided by these projections of who we are, who they are. And it's just an image. It's just a reflection of reality. And so we impose these same thought patterns on other people that are constructed in our mind. And what becomes impossible is true empathy, true compassion and true love. When people are living through this false sense of self, through this guided by this image of who they are rather than who they really are, then our interactions with others are based on superficial things like how we look, how we worship or don't worship, how we dress whether or not we wear a face mask into Walmart. Hear this now. When we move through the world like this, which is how all of us do it 99.99999% of the time, we don't even see one another. We are interacting with one another based on a reflection of reality, of a reflection. And we never get to that true presence that I spoke of at the start of the sermon. We don't even see one another. How else do we explain how it is we treat each other? How else do we explain the utter lack of trust? How else do we explain the fact that we don't know who to believe right now? All we know is that these people make us angry and these people are doing it wrong. We don't even see one another. The good news is, of course, that there is such a thing as awareness, this pure presence that Jesus speaks of, your will, not mine, deeper than this world of illusion and reflection, underneath all of it, Underneath all of our sense perceptions, all of our thoughts, there is this 
vast realm of pure presence. Eckhart Tolle explains it like this. He's the great uh, spiritual teacher. Uh, written uh, a lot of, uh, uh, several books. But I was listening to him talk yesterday, and he talks about ripples on the surface of the ocean. And it's, it's a little bit of an exercise in your imagination, but you have to think of these ripples on the surface of the ocean. And they spend their existence thinking about how they appear in relation to other ripples on the surface of the ocean, um, how long they last, what they, you know, what they look like, all the superficials you can think of that a ripple might use to identify themselves. This is who I am. And then at some moment, something happens. And they realize beneath them, there is a vast depth of who they really are. And this ripple recognizes it as a part of something bigger, something vast. And there is no longer any reason to be insecure or to compete or to strive or to be anxious because there is a depth that is unfathomable, a presence of which we all are a part, the depth of the ocean in this case. And from there we can answer, here I am. Finally, here I am. And then you move through the world in a different way and you can enjoy, you can be present because you are no longer dependent upon any comparison, any achievement, any history, for a depth of your life, it is pure gift from the living God, and it is very, very good. It is beyond anything you think is worthy or not worthy, beyond any value you feel, any shame you feel. It is very, very good. From here, you can truly say, here I am. So this is the state of presence from which Abraham left the desolation of Beersheba, this isolation, and he took his son. And this is critical. This is why the story has lasted, and this is why we still tell it, why we still wrestle with it. It is the very heart of who Abraham was, who Abraham is, Isaac, his son, the longing of his life. And he takes his son to Mount Moriah, knowing God, trusting God, connected to this presence that is bigger than everything, vaster, deeper. Here I am. So from this place, We live differently, awake in the knowledge that we are part of this vast ocean, that we are a vital part of God's creation, no greater, no less vital than any and all the other waves. But from here, 
we can actually see one another. From here, empathy not only becomes possible, but it's natural. Compassion is not only a simple remote possibility, but it is natural. It's just what we do, who we are. Love becomes as natural as breathing. It is who we are beneath everything. It is who we were created to be. But if we're not willing to access this level, to peel away everything in our lives, beneath our worry, our past, our future, beneath the love we feel for our very own blood, the very center of our lives, in this case, Isaac, then our lives will be less than God created them to be. So this story that seems cruel, this story that seems difficult for us to grasp, it had to be told this way. Because there is a presence beneath everything, beneath the things that we even hold most dear. And once we access this presence, access this presence, then we really see what is dear and our relationship with Isaac becomes deeper and more profound. And from this presence, from this vastness, we can say, here I am with nothing, nothing that I need, nothing for which I long, just this holy moment this breath right now. From here, our lives begin anew. And it seems so simple, so available at, at any moment. And a legitimate question is, why do we make it so hard? And one of the reasons, as you know, without me having to say it, is that our minds won't relent. They never stop. We cannot let go of what we've done, what we haven't done, what we need to do, what we, what we need to get done, what's going to happen in the future, how it is that we are per perceived by others. Is this successful? Is this a failure? Our families, those we love, those that we know are wrong, those that we know are right, our minds will not relent. It's constant. That's why advertising is so effective. Because we are never good enough. There's always more to do, always more to be. But beneath this, If we are courageous enough to peel it all away, to say, as Jesus said in those passages that I read this morning, not what I want, not what preoccupies me, what would you have me do? This is the pure presence. This is why Abraham 
could say, here I am. This is the thrust of, of the words that Jesus spoke to his disciples we read together a couple of weeks ago. Remember, if you hold on to your life, you'll lose it, etc. But if you lose your life for my sake, that's what he's talking about. And today again, we re revisit his, I guess you could call them final instructions to his disciples. And this is during his public ministry. But he tells them what we've been trying to wrestle with this morning to seek this kingdom within, this pure presence beneath everything that you worry about and wonder about and obsess about, everything based on an image, a reflection of reality, but true, pure presence, a depth of which you are a part. Greet people from here. Really see them. Welcome people from here. See them. We've spoken of of this idea before that a that a waiter that is filling up your water glass at, at La Fiesta, but doing it from this place of pure presence. That simple act, but being present to it. They are doing more to further the kingdom of heaven than me up in front of a congregation praying or serving communion, but being preoccupied with something else. How well am I doing? Oh, did I just screw up that word? Did I just say that backwards? That preoccupation with this image of myself like narcissists staring at the reflection. This is what Jesus means when he concludes, if you give someone a simple cup of water from this place of presence, then they can see you and you can see them and you can both live from there. It's how the kingdom of heaven becomes. So Abraham and his willingness to sacrifice Isaac is the most ancient of stories about human obsession with ourselves. Our capacity, our propensity to be lost in our thoughts about what is important, about what we ought to do, about what others think of us. there is something deeper than that. We're not simply waves on the surface of our lives. And it's deeper even than our most precious relationships. From there, we can finally answer God and begin to live, here I am. It is why there is such a community as Zion UCC in Junction City to help us remember who we are, who God created us to be. So as we conclude this sermon together, I want you to close your eyes. Inhale 
exhale and say the words with me here I am here I am Amen alright it's time now to uh, to share with one another the uh, announcements in the life of the church I know that um we're all trying to negotiate these these days and these circumstances and uh we are meeting virtually again this week because of those changing circumstances um I'm not sick nor is anyone in my family but there was a a student that um attends weight training at Abilene High School, of which I've been a part, you know, this last week, uh, and this is the time in question, whose sibling is tested positive for COVID, so uh, we've been asked by the administration to self-quarantine for a while, and I'm happy to do that, um, and so that is why uh, we're back in this, this virtual mode, at least for this week, Um I'm so grateful to everybody who is, has been willing to, uh, you know, change how we do things. And uh, I've, I've had meetings with uh, many of the pastors in the Kansas-Oklahoma conf- conference, uh, and it's fascinating uh, to hear the different points of view from congregations and pastors and uh, things that people are doing. You know, ways that we're trying to keep one another safe and and even the disagreements and the arguments that we're having uh, those are all okay too uh, because we all just want the church to be able to be the church and we all want to figure out the best way to do it while taking care of one another so uh, fascinating times to be sure and I'm grateful uh, that we can you know still have a worship together and for all the efforts, you know, consistory and everyone else, thank you, thank you, thank you. The, uh, you know, Jill continues to be at the church on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Uh, up until this next week, I've been there on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, um, and, and in the afternoon. Uh, but I, I don't think I will be there at least until I find out. I don't know how long these tests take, uh, but... If if the young man's test comes back negative, then I'll be back Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, just like always. If there if it's positive, then I'll have to stay quarantined for a while longer, and I'll continue to keep people abreast of that uh, through text. And, and And I would encourage you to call one another. Uh, but I got sidetracked there. the 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 shopping cart is there. And uh, I see some food in there. Uh, that's for the food pantry collection. That's the first week in July. And then uh, hopefully we'll do our Heifer International on the 12th of July. Uh, Consistory will be meeting uh, again uh, early in July. So, And these are all things that we'll talk about and do our best uh, to figure out. Um, I want to transition now to... Um, to prayer if we can. I got a text from uh, Debbie Gefeller last night, and Dick had uh, a mild heart attack. Uh, 
um, and, and he's in uh, Topeka right now. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my phone as we speak just to make sure that I'm not messing anything up. But she tells me that, uh, that it has been confirmed by a cardiologist um, that indeed he did have a heart attack. And then so tomorrow, Monday, uh, they'll do the dye test, find out, you know, where the blockage is and then proceed from there. The important thing is that Dick is feeling better. Uh, and he's happy that he has, you know, that they've identified what it is. I, I think a lot of us can can identify with how Dick's feeling. Look, we at least know what it is, but uh, we need to keep Dick and the family in our prayers for sure. Uh, Marvin, as you know, is home uh, and getting better. Um, Rosemary is home, uh, and she's continues to be in our prayers. Um, the Cardena family and Nebraska family of mine are, uh, have had a positive COVID test and uh, so they're processing all of that uh, and we're, we're going to I'm going to ask that we keep them in our prayers as well you know the more things that we think about and pray about it it You know, on a macro level, we still need to be mindful of the divisions within our country. You know, one of our original sins in this country is our is our racism, and that has come to the surface. And we need to pray because we don't even know how to how to process it with one another, and we need help. Uh, the the virus hasn't gone anywhere seemingly and if anything is getting stronger and more prevalent in our lives and it's another one of those things that when we fight about it when we disagree about it we don't even see one another and so we'll continue to pray to see so if you would would you uh, bow your heads with me now and let's pray Creator God, here we are. Coming before you. Seeking that place. Seeking that presence in our hearts that is pure. That was created by you. The place that allows us to connect to ourselves. To connect to one another and connect to you. We thank you for this community of faith, this Zion UCC that allows us the safe space, the sacred space where we can do this work. We can learn who we are. We can learn who you would have us be. Here we are. Lord, we think of all the people in this very moment who grieve. who have lost someone, who have lost some situation that can only feel darkness right now. 
We think of Grady and his family. Please let them be consoled. Please put us in a position to point to you, to point to your love, to point to your consolation. We hold everyone dealing with the virus, those who are sick, those who are treating those who are sick, those making decisions about what we ought to do, what we ought not to do. Or <laughs> we pray for the Cardenas in Nebraska and other families just like them. We pray, we pray for communities like Abilene, dealing with uncertainty, dealing with fear, We pray that we act and that we interact with one another from that state of love and compassion and empathy. There are many in our congregation for whom we ask healing. Please be with Dick and the family as he convalesces in Topeka. Let him know we miss him, that we love him. And we pray for his complete recovery. We offer the same prayer for Marvin, for Janice and their daughter as they heal together. We pray the same prayer for Rosemary and Karen and Mike and the rest of their family. Lord, as a, as a culture, as a people all over the world, we still find ourselves reacting to one another, not seeing one another, hating one another because of how we look, of our cultures, of our histories. Lord, we pray for the Afri African-American community in this country and all over the world. We pray that we can all learn to see one another. There are names that I've forgotten, circumstances worries and fears that we cannot put into words even. And we cry to you from our hearts and we trust you and we leave these worries at your feet. And we conclude praying together the prayer that Jesus taught us, our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Thank you for being here with us again uh, this week. Thank you for being patient. Uh, thank you for being understanding as we learn how to worship in this circumstance. And I will continue to keep us all updated via text uh, when these these tests come back and we uh, you know we figure out how we're going to continue to do things uh, thank you for to Jeanette for being willing I know she wanted to come in and uh, play music again for us and that would have been better to be sure but I I didn't think I should be leaving Abilene right now so uh, but we're going to figure this out Christ has no body now on earth but ours no hands, no feet on earth, but ours. Ours are the eyes through which he looks compassion on this world. Ours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Ours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Ours are the hands. Ours are the feet. Ours are the eyes. We are his body. Amen.